my big bread and butter is definitely uh, managing my real estate portfolio. And if you think about it, 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 it is, it's a small, each one of your pieces of real estate is a small business. There are fixed costs, there are variable costs, there are, you know, you have rental income. What's, you know, can I charge more for my services next year? What's the net cash flow look like off of that now? Welcome to the Prosperity Perspective by DML, a conversation about how successful business owners invest their hard-earned money to preserve their wealth and what they might have done differently in hindsight. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we are joined by Zach. Uh, Zach has a fascinating story about uh, how he took his journey through the Marine Corps, through some bad debt, and uh, eventually got to a place where he is fully unplugged. Uh, and won't steal his thunder, but uh, we'll let him explain a little bit about what that means and how that has come to fruition for him. But Zach, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah. Um, so again, my name is Zach Jurgensen. I'm host of the DIY Wealth Podcast. Uh, easiest way to, I guess, explain it is I like to field people's questions um, and have an episode every week. So kind of think Dave Ramsey-ish, where people call in or direct message on Instagram and I answer I don't agree with everything and every stance he has. I have different perspectives, which you know Liam and I will get into on this. Um, but essentially, not an ego stroke, not not meant to you know just be a braggart, if you will. But went from a significant amount of debt in my early twenties to amassing a net worth of a million dollars by thirty one, um, and a combination between the retirement accounts and small businesses I have and other cash flowing assets that I can utilize today. I've designed a life where essentially. I don't have to work full time anymore. I can kind of pursue more of my own interests and passions. Um, and having that level of freedom in life, uh, as long as you're not over consuming in the world of capitalism that tells you to constantly consume, um, it's a very beautiful space to be in. So let's jump right into that. I guess, uh, you know, how did you realize that uh, you were in this position of quote unquote bad debt? And what were some of those steps that uh, you took to get to the place that you're at today? So with the bad debt, uh, nothing was really registering in my head as a younger kid. Nothing was clicking. But after my after I did a combat tour over to Afghanistan and, um, you know, we lost an individual, we lost a bomb dog like there was just something finally registered in my head like, holy crap, I'm not invincible. I'm young. Life can just immediately disappear in front of your eyes in a split second. And for whatever reason, it was like, I need to start applying myself. So I had a year left in the Marines. And I was like, well, I definitely don't want to keep doing this anymore. So I just started picking up books. I picked up journalism books. I picked up science books. I picked up finance books. I picked up real estate books. And for whatever reason, like finance just really stuck with me. And the book I ended up reading was like uh, the little book on big dividends. It's like, this, it's the easiest read. Like you don't need to have any base knowledge in finance in order to grasp the concepts in this book. Um, so I was like, okay, well, I guess this is what I need to start doing. So it was like 2011 and you know, you could have thrown blindly at a dartboard, any ticker and you would have made money you know, but like, I didn't know what I didn't know. And so I was just like, well, Bank of America, I see Bank of America everywhere. Like that's probably something. did zero due diligence, just threw, threw money for 10 shares in the market and uh, roller coastered all day. I'm looking at it and I'm like, 
damn it, I'm losing money. Okay, now I'm up. Now I'm up. Like super emotional, back and forth. I'm down. Market ends up closing, and I have four dollars and fourteen more, four dollars and fourteen cents more than I did. And it just that just registered in my head. I was like, holy crap, you can have your money make you money and not do a single thing that day. And it still makes you money. I don't need to actively go do anything to make money. And from there, fast forward to today, that's that's the defining moment on how I got where I got. So what were some of the steps that you had to take along the way, right? So obviously you had this, uh, you know, a couple big uh, life events and uh, cathartic moments, right? Where you had these realizations. Um you know, what were some of the actions that you took, right? A lot of our listeners have their own businesses. Um, you know, how did you start moving in that direction uh, to feel unplugged, right? And how do you define unplugged? Yeah, so I'll clarify that term since we're using it, and then I'll get into your question. So if you think about it, like retirement is a relatively new concept to humans. Like, I would say maybe our great, great, great grandparents, our great, great grandparents, great grandparents, grandparents, and our parents, like th- these are the people that have experienced retirement. Historically, as a human, you work, 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 and then you die. Um, and then your life expectancy is really short and things like that. So we're still trying to really figure out what retirement looks like, but it's been associated essentially with the tail end of your life. I didn't like that. And so I refer to it the term if you're younger and you're not retiring in your 60s, your mid 60s, or whatever that looks like for you, and you retire in your 30s, uh, your your late 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your early 50s, I deem or view that more as unplugging. You're unplugging from a system that has told you work, 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 and then we'll give you some semblance of security at the tail end of your life, and we'll call it retirement. So when when you hear Liam and I going back and forth on that, that, that is the term unplugged to me. Um, to your question. Yes. What I started realizing, um, as I kept working and stuff like that and pushing money into retirement accounts is this is cool, but I can't access this stuff until I'm 60. And so like, while that's great for my really old future self, that doesn't really help me design the life I want to live right now. So I got into real estate sales. I started owning uh, real estate rentals. I have a portfolio of rental properties. Um, I recently just invested in a uh, jewelry company uh, for a very talented individual. Um, you know, he just unfortunately a series of unfortunate events, but we were able to work something out. I'm identifying some other things too, um, as well as a traditional. You know, I know this is more business focused, but for for people that want additional perspective, pushing a bunch of money into a traditional brokerage account and being able to collect dividends off of it, that is an absolute another way to manage your money and create an additional stream of of, uh, income for yourself. So, uh, but my big bread and butter is definitely uh, managing my real estate portfolio. And if you think about it, 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 it is, it's a small, each one of your pieces of real estate is a small business. There are fixed costs. There are variable costs. There are, you know, you have rental income. What's, you know, can I charge more for my services next year? What's the net cash flow look like off of that now? So, uh, you know, and I'm still working on the jewelry, the jewelry business stuff right now. We're waiting for some, you know, product to come from China to help this individual out. Wish I had that up and running a little bit more so we could dive into that a little bit more. But that, that's essentially, you know, 
from the Marine Corps investing money to realizing I need to have access to cash flow and, and you know retained earnings and other things like that that I can utilize and pour into whether it's the business or my own personal life where I want to be and how I want to design it. So it sounds like a couple of different uh, revenue sources coming from you know investment in companies with what you're doing with the jewelry company. A lot of it primarily coming from. Uh, real estate portfolio and management there. How do you determine what what the right number is to be unplugged? Great question. So that's different for everyone. Um, and the and the and the thing I always ask people is, so I have you know a Patreon account and I do one on one financial coaching, um, and I pair it with more deeper thought and philosophy and just to help people merge what a happier life, what a better life, what a more joyful, what a more content life looks like with with reasonable financial freedom. And I always just start with people, what would you do today if you passively knew you had enough cash coming in? What does that life look like for you? And people really struggle with that question. But what I have found, and I've probably asked close to 50 people at this point, the sweet spot for people to move past this financial filter in their life is about six to eight thousand dollars a month passively coming in, which is fairly doable. I mean, and I walked the more I talked to people, the more I walked off of what I wanted. I wanted twelve thousand dollars a month passively coming in. I'm at about eight by the time I raise rents in January, um, I'll be at just under, I think I'll be at like 7.9 K a month coming in. And that's gonna continue to grow. It's not like I'm just staying there. I've designed a life where I'm able to still continue to invest, still continue to invest in business and in the stock market and things like that while still living comfortably because I'm just not in this insane consumption mode. And so for people that, you know, it's different, you know, if you want to go buy a yacht and live in the Mediterranean and eat pizza every day on it, like, you're going to require a lot more money for your unplugged number than someone that's okay fly fishing on a river in Montana. So it's really about just identifying the things you really enjoy doing in life. And that's hard to do when you're constantly worried about money or you're constantly just mindlessly consuming things, which Americans have gotten really good at doing. What tips or advice do you have for level setting or baselining or turning off that consumption, right? Because, I mean, it's all the media pushes, right? And it's all your friends push, right? In terms of, you know, there's a new Tesla driving down the street or we're out of space. We need more space at home, right? You've got more kids, right? We need to grow. And so it's, it's all about more, 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 bigger, bigger, bigger. Uh, and that's what you hear all day long, right? So how do you, you know, tips and tricks that you use to, uh, I guess, live in your own world. Yeah. So I actually read a fun fact or something like that. I think last year there was 7 trillion internet ads. Like that is an absurd number. Like I don't even think people realize how big a trillion is. Like we hear that word, but I mean, that is such a gargantuan number, even compared to a billion and a billion's a massive thing. So yeah, to your point, we get hammered with advertising nonstop. And do we get hammered with some good advertising? Absolutely. But a lot of the advertising is 
targeted and geared towards your insecurities and fears and, and, and concerns in life. Like, oh, I need to get this stroller, otherwise I'm not a good parent. Or I need to get this car in order to exude that I am successful to my neighbors. Oh, I need to get this house in order to. And that just goes on and on and on. The easiest way, I shouldn't say the easiest, but the best way to start with shifting that mindset is understanding when someone drives past in a Ferrari or whatever, you know, imagine whatever car you really want, you know, a nice Ford Raptor, a Ferrari, whatever that car is. Imagine it driving past, past you on the highway and you look at it and you want it because it's something you really want. Your immediate thought isn't, damn, that person's really cool. I should become their friend. They're awesome. No, you don't care about the person in the actual car. You care about the object. And the same thing rings true for, you know, girls. Like, you know, there's a nice Louis Vuitton bag. The girls don't go, man, I really want to be her friend. She looks really cool. No, they just care about the object, the purse. And so instead of coming from a place where you're seeking external validation from people, like, why do you like that Ford Rapper? Why do you like that Ferrari? Is it because you want to exude a, a, a level of success or XYZ or dot, dot, dot to external variables and forces and people that genuinely don't know about you and probably don't even care about you? Or are you doing it genuinely because it's an item or an object that's going to enhance your life dramatically for you, not for everyone else and what you're expecting everyone else to think about you? You got to stop building out that false narrative in your head and start building out the narrative that really matters in your head and your heart. Are there any sort of tests or questions that you ask yourself to try to determine if it's, you know, truly your own narrative in your head and your heart versus what someone else uh, is projecting on you? Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to, because, you know, the only way to truly do that would to be like, go live by yourself in a shack for like a year, you know, because we're constantly getting hammered with external variables. Like you wake up in the morning, you check your phone, you check your email, you check your work email, you know, you see some stuff on Instagram, you see some stuff on Facebook, whatever. Now you got to take care of work. Now you got to go get, take care of the coffee. The dog's barking. You got to take the dog out. The kids are late for school. And I, before you know it, you're filled with so many thoughts externally that aren't even yours. It's just the, you know, stimulation that's happening around you. You don't even have time to think about yourself. So the best way I could, I would say you can do what I'm trying to execute on better and what I think everyone should execute on better is getting some alone time and really trying to just meditate. Not for a long period of time. Like I try and do 20 minutes and it's hard. Like you just focus on breathing in, breathing out, and you would be amazed at some of the rewiring and creativity that's generated within your brain by sitting in your own thoughts. That is literally the only way I've been able to do it. But before you know it, by the end of the day, all of that has been washed away by all the just external stimuli. Definitely tons of external stimuli. So you talked about life design, right? And you talked about that unplug number. What do you do when that unplug number changes, right? So obviously you're managing a portfolio today. Um, you know, what happens if kids come along or, you know, mom gets sick and you want to take care of mom, right? And, and now you need a bigger number, uh, you know, what do you do and how do you go about uh, addressing that? That's actually a great question. Um, one I've never really thought about, but immediately what comes to my mind is capitalism 
and the opportunity to make more money will always be there. You know, like I could tomorrow go, I understand there's more objects over there. I understand there's more money over there. I understand there's more corporate jobs over there. I understand dot, dot, dot. I can dive right back into that big, deep pool if I wanted to, um, you know, can we play devil's advocate here? Well, you know, you've been out of work for five years, your experience and your skills aren't as sharp. Sure. I, I'm just saying it's not like once you close that door, you can't open it right back up. Capitalism would welcome you right back into buying a bunch of stuff and also, you know, uh, working again. So. So it sounds like it's a, uh, and I'm making some assumptions here. So, uh, correct me if I have misinterpreted, but there's a, a, a phase where you've got to engage in the system as it is today to build enough wealth uh, or uh, available dollars to be able to go invest, to create the passive income, to get to your number. And if the number has to change for whatever reason, then it's a re-engagement back into that system, generate you know, a lump sum that you can then take and reinvest to create more passive income. Yeah. Uh, one thing on the... On the- beginning part of that statement you could unplug tomorrow but like homelessness just doesn't look comfortable for me you know like you really could i'm not i'm not saying you have to do this you have to work within this con- construction of what capitalism is and you know do what i'm doing or do what you're doing liam but sleeping under a bridge and panhandling for money doesn't sound comfortable for me so you know you can unplug immediately but where I'm trying to, you know, operate in is, hey, you don't have to be a perpetual worker bee. You also don't have to be homeless. You can really identify some things you want to do in your life and figure out how you want to live it. Work within the constructs of capitalism. Realize you can achieve this if you just walk off of a lot of consumption you do and then kind of go do whatever you want in life. If you had to re-engage with the capitalist structure, where would you look first to try to get that, you know, biggest pop of lump sum dollars uh, with shortest amount of effort for yourself, right? Obviously, likely specific to each person and their skill set and knowledge, right? But for from your experience, you know, where would you go to get that money to, you know, boost your passive income streams? Sure. I mean, for me, like I'm hearing, you know, and again, you hear this everywhere. You hear it in the stock market, you hear it in real estate, you hear it in the cryptocurrency market. Like, oh, so-and-so got a 2000% return. And like, you know, it's just these like home run stories. And so, you know, I am looking at cryptocurrencies more because it is such a new and foreign space. And do I think some people are going to make them a lot of money? Yeah. Um, do I think they could be the new next beanie babies? I don't know if you remember those things. There was just a huge rush and run on beanie babies. You remember those things? Like I've got were, foxes and boxes <laughs> in my people, people were fighting over those things. And what are they today? Nothing. Like no one cares. So could cryptocurrency be beanie babies? Absolutely. The other side of the pendulum is could it literally become the new currency that's used and effectively the value of a dollar falls to zero? Could it? I'm saying could it? Yes. Those are both extreme scenarios that I'm giving, and I don't think either of those are going to happen. I think it's going to fall somewhere in the middle. I think there is going to be a place for it within the financial realm, and a couple of them are going to be, you know, do very well. But there are so many of them out there, and the regulations are so not there <laughs> that, um, you know, it's a little bit of the Wild West. So 
while I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it extremely speculatively with the hope of actually making, you know, some really good money off of it. If you're someone that's starting to build your financial house out, do not just blindly start running into the crypto space like mutual funds, ETFs, starting your own business, um, you know, buying real estate, buying a primary house, running some of the rooms out. Like these are things you should be doing to build your financial house out relative to what I'm talking about because you asked me that question. I just want to clarify that to your audience members. It brings up another thought for me so that the unplugged number that you have, how is that allocated, right? Is that all 100% uh, kind of cost of living and supporting lifestyle? Or is there a portion of that that you say, hey, I need to earn, you know, of that 8,000, you know, at least 2,000 gets reinvested or uh, kind of how does that break down for you? Yeah. So essentially, I'll, like I said, when I raise rents, um, in January on my rental properties, I have about 7.9K. Um, let's see, I'm just doing quick math in my head. So car, mortgage, electricity, groceries. So about 35% of that goes to um, my fixed costs. And then, you know, the other, you know, 40, 30, 40% will go to just, you know, traveling the world. I've gotten into photography. You know, I want to, uh, you know, I'm planning on doing a beautiful train ride up for 20 days up the coast of California, up into Seattle and taking photo like and then the remaining amount of that is allocated towards pushing more money into investments, whether it's saving up for another rental property, you know, investing in another small business that I see. Oh, there's my dog. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yes, I'm always I'm always leaving money in reserve to continually keep growing it. Now, does that mean I'm truly unplugged? I mean, you could argue yes, you could argue no, but that's what I need to do in order to feel safe, secure, and reduce my anxiety in life. So it sounds like, uh, obviously, if you're running numbers off the top of your head, you've got a budget somewhere. You've got a clear understanding of fixed and variable costs. Yep. Uh, you've kind of uh, know what you're going to spend. Right. And it sounds like 35. So you've got about 30% that you're reinvesting, mm. you know, 70% that you're living off of half of which is fixed, half of which is variable yep. uh, and kind of using that as a guiding principle. And what I tell people too, like, you know, even if you're not in my position, investing 30% of your income isn't probably the easiest thing to achieve, but so, but, but so is working until you're 75. So which one do you want? Pick your poison. You know, any feedback or uh, words of advice you would have for the audience? So I know you had mentioned uh, little books of big dividends. Are there other things along your journey that have been super impactful for you? Uh, whether it was you know training programs, books, uh, conversations, etc., that you know might help people accelerate their journey. Um, yeah. So one is completely off topic of what we're talking about, but I still advocate for people that are hurting in this realm. Um, and it's called the power of letting go. Um, and it just teaches you to like, you know, quit letting the past drag you around and really reframes the idea of what forgiveness should be like in your life. Um, and you know, to your audience members, I do it on every interview, but like, you know, I was the victim of child abuse. I had to testify against my parents in court. Like my brother and I didn't have an easy life growing up. And so I understand I'm really blasting a hormone of financial freedom and stuff like that. But if there is someone listening to your podcast that is struggling with that, reach out to me. Like I, 
have dealt with that. Um, and I finally overcame that hump probably a year and a half ago. And a lot of that was because of that book. Um, regarding uh, financial books, what's a recent one that I've read that's really good? I didn't read a, a financial book recently, but one of the one, other ones I liked was Made to Stick. And it's for advertising and marketing. And so if you're someone that's really, especially business, so people listening to business, this is very relevant, actually. So yeah, um, it talks about um, just what is a good messaging? How many times does someone need to hear a messaging before it's something they can draw from their brain again? What colors would be associated with good messaging based on the business you're doing? So Made to Stick is a very good book as well and very relevant for your audience. Yeah, Made to Stick, I believe, is by Malcolm Gladwell. And yes. uh, the, some of the stuff that he puts out and the the studies that he's done and the way he thinks about things are uh, very informative, definitely a leader in the space uh, and phenomenal book uh, as you, you know, how do ideas stick, how do revolutions start, right? Uh, yep. And just the different perspectives that he takes is, uh, is, is really cool to see. Um, you know, as we're wrapping up here, Zach, what, what's the best way for the audience to be able to reach out, right? You obviously said if someone's hurting in that area, uh, to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to connect and to be able to find you? Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming uh, you'll go ahead and grab all my links and stuff too. But, um, basically if you want to call into the podcast during live podcast hours, which I have on my website, which is Zach Jorgensen, it's Z-A-C-J-U-E-R-G-E-N-S-E-N. Um, the phone number is 602-767-1507. You can call in the podcast. If you don't want to be on the podcast, because like I, for whatever reason, I'm realizing some people get jittery because they don't want to be you know, publicly talking or whatever. That's fine. Um, my uh, creator account on Instagram, where I give bite-sized pieces of information daily, is at Zach Jurgensen, Z-A-C-J-U-E-R-G-E-N-S-E-N. Um, and then finally, if you're looking for one-on-one coaching and things like that, um, head over to my Patreon account again, just type in Zach Jurgensen the exact way I've just spelled it twice. And, um, you can, uh, for $10 and 56 cents a month, I will give you all of my positions in the market, all of my real estate deals, what they look like, how they're cash flowing, what my total assets are, what my total liabilities are. So like you guys can realize like I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Like, I'm not going to be someone that's hiding what I'm doing because I want to empower everyone else on their wealth journey. And the reason I chose $10 and 56 cents a month, it's literally the cost of a large Frappuccino and a ham and Swiss sandwich, including tax and Starbucks. I am asking you to forego one Starbucks breakfast and I will help you on your journey to identifying your unplugged number. Very nice, Zach. Well, we appreciate the insights. Uh, appreciate the time today. Uh, and look forward to staying connected with you. Yeah, no, Liam, I appreciate you uh, taking some time. I know, you know, we went back and forth for a couple of weeks. I'm like, man, this guy probably hates me because we can't because <laughs> la- we can't land a time. And so I woke up this morning. I was like, okay, we're ready. We're good. I've had my coffee. I'm all set. So I do really appreciate your patience. Um, I think what you're doing on your end is very good, especially for small business owners and, and people that do want to grow it. But I like that you identified with me and were able to go, you know what? Like, while people are growing and building their business, maybe they could learn a couple things from this individual. So I do appreciate it. Thanks, Zach. Take care. All right. Have a good one, Liam. Thank you for joining us today on The Prosperity Perspective. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, please head over to theprosperityperspective.com 
where you can hear from other successful business owners on their approach to investments. On our website, you'll be able to learn more about how DML Capital currently helps other business owners, like yourself, diversify their investments and grow their wealth. Take our short quiz to see if you're ready to take the next steps toward your financial success.